the Pac-12 player of the year. You couldn't have predicted it before the season. Our Pac-12 power rankings through five games. I mean, well, sort of for some people, but not for other people. UCLA moves to Jordan Brand and Nike. Our game recaps from last week. Colorado versus USC in the conference championship game. Could it happen? Washington versus Oregon has started a fight. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. This is the podcast by Pac-12 fans. For Pac-12 fans, people who love the conference but want to hear the truth, they want to hear honest conversation about it and while being entertained at the same time. Please make sure, of course, that you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Ralph will tell you, give you four stars, and then we'll earn whatever, earn your trust, all of that. I say give five stars because this is a five-star production, and you guys can get a hold of us. Send us an email. I'm Matt. I am M-A-D at unafraidshow.com or hit us up on Twitter. He's at Ralph Amsden. I'm at George Reister. And the podcast is at Pac-12Apostles. And of course, most importantly, in addition to the ratings and the reviews, please share the podcast. Share it with a friend. Text it to him. Email it to him. Somebody who can gain value or be entertained by what we are doing. So, Ralph. We'll start with this. What was your assessment from last week in the Pac-12? What was the most shocking result and what was stood out to you? Well, the thing the thing that stood out the most is how close these games were. Uh, there were multiple one-possession games where the team that had the ball with a chance to score at the end didn't or didn't multiple times. Um, and then you had, and then you had Stanford, the way that they ran the clock out on Washington. I think that was, that might be the thing that stood out the most to me because everything, everything's relative, right? I mean, some of these results were, were pretty shocking. Um, but the way that Stanford just physically dominated Washington's defense on the final drive of the game through the air and on the ground. That to me is the thing that I can't stop thinking about. Yeah. And Washington and my, mind you on the last podcast, I had been very complimentary of Washington and I thought that they should have been ranked before last week. Well, ranked two weeks ago, even when they were two and Oh, but the way that Utah ran the football on them and the way that Stanford and mind you, Stanford hadn't been able to run the football very well. The last three seasons, at least not at a consistent rate. Like if I'm a Washington fan, I'd be troubled. I I would be severely concerned with what I saw um, in that, but I would be happy about the fact that my team fights, but being down, you know, big time, 21 points at halftime, back to back weeks, you knew that eventually, like if you keep, like you can do it once because it, and it hadn't been done by them in like in 30 years or something like that. But two weeks in a row, like eventually luck runs out at some point in point in time. Like you can't keep doing it. Like that's not a recipe. That's not just for Washington. That's for any team across any sport, whether it's professional football, college football, anything falling down by 21 points is not a recipe 
for uh, success. I cannot think of a team in the Pac-12 that I would feel comfortable with them being outscored 45-3 to over the last two first halves, thinking that they'd be able to get away with getting a win. And Washington did manage to get one of them. But uh, and 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 had an opportunity to to get a second, but you're right, you cannot you cannot keep doing that. Um, Forty five to three in the first half, so you are <laughs> going out and you're getting punked and you're having to scrape your way back in. That's not supposed to. Be no, not it, not at all. Like they're like they obviously have a ton of four and five star talent on the roster, and they fashion them themselves as a defensive team. And they talk about how they haven't given up 35 points or more in the most amount amount of games in college, but you gave up 31 and you got punked like that's like, you didn't give up 35, but would you had rather given up 35 and giving up a bunch of big plays than somebody just running through your face? And just three weeks in a row of complete Jekyll and Hyde. Three quarters of giving up no points against Arizona, 27 in the fourth. Um, and then you get down three touchdowns against Utah, and then you don't give up any points in the second half. And then you get down 24 against Stanford, and you only give up the one touchdown. Would have obviously been more, like Stanford was on their way to scoring on that last drive of the game. Um, but but still, I mean, if, if you just look at, the the way that Washington's defense is playing, it's like they're either perfect or they're getting destroyed. And that's it, it's I'm having a really, really hard time figuring out who this Washington yeah, team and, is. And that's where I think that there's been so much like I, everybody. I know everybody's in the same situation with lack of practice time, lack of, you know, preparation but clearly some people have done better with it than other people than other teams have. And it's typically the teams that have veteran quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks typically are, are doing better in this situation. Um, Arizona state, eh, a whole different story, <laughs> but, but that, that kind of d- destroys the theory, but veteran quarterbacks have been able to do it. And then veteran defenses in all of college football have done better. Whereas you look at a team like Oregon, super young. Washington was super young last year. And those teams needed the offseason, I would say, to get better. That they needed them to make dramatic improvements uh, in their uh, team, and they didn't get a chance to do it. But uh, so far, though, Ralph, through five (laughs) games-ish, because it's not quite five five games, five games-ish, because – you have part of the conference who's played five games. You have Oregon's played five. UCLA's played five. Oregon State has played five. And then you and Cal's played four. USC's played four. Washington, Colorado, and Arizona have all played four. Utah's played three. And Washington State has played three. And Arizona State's only played two games. And there's two weeks left in the season. And now the question is, okay, so the only team, I guess, with any shot at the Pac-12, I mean, at the college football playoff, I mean, I, I, we're, we're going to get the rankings in just a few, but any, the only team with even an iota of hope is USC. 
and they blew out Washington State. So if they could, I guess, blow out UCLA this week, blow out the winner of the North, then, I mean, can they get in at, at 6-0? and I doubt it. But then that leads to the question is, all right, what should the Pac-12 do? Since you know you're not going to the college football playoff, should they then schedule crossover games with the Big Ten? Or should they um, schedule additional Pac-12 games for uh, the week following the 19th, I believe? We missed so many games that I would not be opposed to, you know, like, like let's say that Colorado beats Utah and then they beat whoever they were scheduled against for the additional week. I would not be opposed to seeing USC and Colorado go at it with both teams being undefeated. I'd rather see that than see somebody else come in. But um, we did have somebody point out on Twitter that right now USC is on track for a potential Fiesta Bowl game against Georgia. So you'd have JT Daniels returning to play against USC. And that's about the only thing that entices me more than, than trying to get this Colorado USC game back. Um, because I, I, you know, Colorado deserves that. And it's kind of interesting that all these people keep floating this idea, which the pack, I want to, I want to be really clear. The PAC 12 would never, all the parties involved would never agree to having an all South title, especially all these years that the North has been really good and we're forced to play mediocre yep. South teams. You're not going to have a year where, where they agree to do something like this. But the funniest thing about it is the one team that could have actually come out and advocated for it, knowing that it wasn't going to happen anyway is USC and their athletic director, Mike bone was, was at Colorado. So it's kind of a way of him like screwing over his old school by not at least coming out and saying, yes, we would actually like to play that game because now they're in kind of the unfair circumstance of actually having the tiebreaker, despite them being the one that needed to cancel the game and having the exact same record. Yeah. And I I think that you make a very fair point. There is that the North had to deal with so many years where Oregon and Washington and Stanford were, were top 15 teams. And then Cal even got in the mix and you were playing against bottom. I mean, like, like the, the top three teams in the conference were in the North. And then number four would trickle in and in the South and you're saying, okay, well now we're supposed to accommodate you for this. See, I would be okay with that if it were a trip to the college football playoff on the line, because I do think that you do have to put the conference interests above your own personal interest. So if you are a, um, like, so I, I don't mind that if uh, that makes sense. O- only in this sort of pandemic year, if if it were USC ranked seventh and Colorado was ranked 12th. Now I see, okay, well, this could be advantageous for the conference if they both win this weekend. Now one of them may be able to get into the playoff and their game got canceled. All right, cool. Let's Let's do that. Let's go get this money. Maybe win a national championship, bring some more prominence to to the conference. That's the only way that I can see the North or even logically make sense of the North agreeing, the North schools agreeing to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I get it. It, 
it, oh, it's always funny when people outside the conference or even within, because I think it was Kyle Bonagura who covers some Pac-12 stuff, and I like him, um, who float these things that they know aren't going to happen, and the conference looks bad for not living up to somebody else's hypothetical. But it is it it does stink that we're not going to get that game, and that the tiebreaker adversely affects the team that wanted to play and was able to play and actually scheduled somebody else to play. Yeah, you know, no, no, I I agree with that. Um, it is time for our uh, reviews, though. Um, we ask you guys to leave a five star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Ralph, tell them what you say because I, I don't agree with this. I say that if there is something about our podcast that you would like us to adjust or change, throw a four star review up there. Let us know uh, what your critique is. And then when we address it, update your review. It gives us the opportunity to interact with you more than once. It gives us an opportunity to uh, to earn your loyalty and to continue to improve as human beings and podcast hosts. Oh, listen to you, Ralph. Just, just so, so caring and loving, and and it's, it's amazing. Okay, so we we have we have new reviews. What say the people? All right, so we got a couple here. Uh, one is a re up, and it is from friend of Hank. Um, I can't actually read the full title of this one, and I don't know why, but it says this podcast is the best thing about the dot dot dot. So uh, I, I don't know what I'm missing here. I'm, on, I'm uh, on the actual iTunes app. It says George and Ralph are fun to listen to and knowledgeable. It says this podcast is the best thing about the Pac-12. Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible for this conference. I, I don't understand why. This podcast is the best thing about the Pac-12? I don't see what the problem is. Oh, come on, man. Dude, like, what this if, is one of the best podcasts there 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 is. I agree. Sports, I, I agree. Not only okay, do I so. enjoy this podcast, I do a bunch of other stuff. I never go back and watch myself or listen to myself. I listen to this because I enjoy it, and I enjoy doing this podcast with you. However, strong however, if somebody made a podcast about the show Lost, would you say that it should ever be possible for the podcast to be better than the show? I would say the podcast should enhance the show. Right, right. It, so I have an issue with being the best thing about the Pac-12. I take issue with that. It means that it 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 means that our conference is struggling. <laughs> we should be. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure that someone out there understands what I'm saying. I'm not sure even I do. But here's a review. George and Ralph are fun to listen to and knowledgeable about the Pac-12. I gave a five-star review a few weeks ago, but I decided to do another one today, hoping to cheer George up after Oregon State beat Oregon. (laughs) So sorry, George. Go get him next year. Thank you, friend of of Hank. I appreciate it, dude. I I appreciate, you know, because this is a way for you guys to send us messages and tell us. I I like that, and I do feel a little bit better. <laughs> but I'll feel better after if the Ducks beat the 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 the, the stinky dogs this week. All right, so here's our second review. It is titled "Great Listen" and it is from Nate Rice. Really enjoy your guys' chemistry on here. 
I've listened to national sports podcasts for years, and this one hits it out of the park with insight and honest assessment of the Pac-12. I feel that you need to do a live show in Arizona once the Rona is gone. Plenty of Ducks fans out here to make George feel at home. Keep up the good work. And George, you sound like you have a smoker's laugh. <laughs> He's not well, wrong, George, man. George doesn't smoke, but George does a lot of podcasts and radio each, each week. So, uh, so uh, yeah, so I probably should try to rest my voice a little bit. It's those, um, it's, it's those unfiltered takes that you've been throwing out there. <laughs> no, they've been put through the filter. They just been, uh, they just hot and spicy. All right. So right now, as we sit today, we had a game on Sunday, game on Saturday, all of that. What do you have your Pac-12 power rankings ready, Ralph? I do, but just like last week, I'm afraid they they've been rendered completely senseless. <laughs> um, okay, go. What's go funny ahead, is go, go ahead in, and in my tell opinion. me something ridiculous. I am prepared for it. Well, because so last week. Um, I gave my power rankings and then I picked against two different teams that I ranked above other teams and I got both of those games right. So I don't even know how to feel like, did I do the right thing or not? I don't know. Um, at, at the bottom of the list, uh, coming in at number 12, it's, it's pretty obvious that, that we've got, um, Arizona. They might not, that, that, that I want to bring this up before we get into the rest of the list, George, Arizona is so bad, and we actually have another team out West, and you've been vehemently against this for a really long time, but we have another team out West that tried to leave their conference and has long been linked to this conference. Would you rather have Boise State in the Pac-12 than Utah or than Arizona? No, man. No. No, stop. See, here's, here's the problem with Boise State. Boise State's a cute story. It, 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 it's nice. But – you can't recruit at the level at Boise State that you can at Arizona because as soon as you put Boise State in the Pac-12, they are the bottom level in terms of prestige. And the state of Arizona is clearly full of recruits now, right? They are uh, people from California want to go down to Arizona. Uh, going, getting kids to go top tier kids that are going to be good enough for you to consistently compete to go to Boise, Idaho. That's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's in the, it's in, it's in the, uh, the, uh, the uh, state of Idaho has a, has a, 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 a white supremacist, uh, presence. So that, that, that lends itself to a lot of negative recruiting. Um, it's far. You don't know anybody there. You don't have anybody who's going to quote unquote take care of you there in the community. You don't have friends or family there. It makes it very tough to like, they don't like Boise state would get more of a benefit from being in the PAC 12 than the PAC 12 from bringing in Boise state. Like I would rather have truthfully, I would rather have, I'm, I'm going to name two, two schools. Like I would rather have Kansas state or Missouri than I than I would uh, Boise, but who's gonna leave a bigger? Uh, who's gonna leave a Power Five conference to come to the Pac twelve after all of the shenanigans? Nobody. Like, but it's so I I think the answer is to retr- if you want to retract 
to make uh, it's 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 almost like okay so when we first bought our bakery like a long time time ago before we sold it we bought the bakery the bakery had a billion flavors a billion flavors they were all fantastic but the problem is it doesn't allow you to maximize the profit give people everything that they need and all of that stuff. So we had to pare down the menu to build it back up. And that's what the PAC 12 has to do. It, it, even if it doesn't retract, it needs to pare down the offering and to, to, to consolidate, to make something matter. And, and that is being top heavy. Like you have to encourage your conference to be top heavy because it makes everybody look better Look at the way people are viewing the Big 12. Now, the top team uh, of Iowa State's got two losses. It's like, oh, no uh, playoff. They, it's just too much parity in the conference. There's no elite teams. You would rather have Vandys and Kentuckys and Kansases in your conference than you would, you know, uh, Utahs this year. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, part of me thinks part of me thinks that it it if the Pac-12 was a Pac-14, um, you'd at least create intrigue by bringing in Boise State and their fan base, and even like a, a BYU because the level of hate that BYU the thing that made me like BYU even more this last week and they, when they lost to Coastal Carolina was how the whole country celebrated their loss. I was like, man, we need that kind of energy in the Pac-12. Someone everybody hates, yep. and, and we can't we can't have Nebraska, so and we can't have Notre Dame, so why not bring in BYU um, or the little engine? I would that not could. mind. No, who? Boise State, Boise State no, with all of their big victories over time and everything mm-hmm. like that. Bring in. I am in on bringing in BYU. Why? So would you be okay? Would you be okay with Boise State going to the Big Twelve? You just don't want them in the Pac twelve. Yeah, I don't want them in the Pac twelve. I don't. If they go to the Big Twelve, okay, fine. They, it's the same problem for the Big Twelve and them there. That actually makes sense. I mean, I guess the the, the Big Twelve it needs to expand, but but BYU, I would definitely want BYU in the Pac twelve. Uh, absolutely, because one thing is they already compete for recruits out of Utah. And some of the Mormon kids, they are um, they're on the schedule a bunch of times in the next few years. And on top of that, BYU has a huge following. It, it, it's like Notre Dame with Catholics. The same thing with BYU and Mormons. Like you like you bring an entire fan base that is huge that uh, to to the conference. I think that that matters. Like what can you, like you only want to bring teams in that can add value and stop bringing teams in that, that you're giving more to than they're giving to you. Yeah. All right. Well, let let me give you, you want me to just give you one through 12 or you want me to go bottom six? Uh, just one through 12, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Um, again, this doesn't make any sense, but neither does the conference. And number one, I've got USC. Um, they are undefeated. They've looked really good in their last two victories. At number two, I've got Colorado. Obviously, their ability to uh, to run the ball is a big reason why. At number three, I currently have UCLA. Uh, under UCLA, I have Washington and then Oregon 
and then Utah. And for some reason, like three spots below Oregon, I go Oregon, Utah, Stanford, and Cal. Um, and then coming in at uh, number nine, Oregon State, 10, Washington State. And then this is pretty brutal. 11, ASU, 12, Arizona. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. So I don't. So the difference between 11 and one on my list is a last second touchdown pass. Yeah. That, that is wild, dude. That is wild that the, well, no, well, the difference. Well, and, and also is the same thing between 12 and one, two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 12, 12 and one and 11 and one are a, are a tipped caught pass uh, on, on Arizona state. And then uh, a last second pass against Arizona. That's wild. Um, my one through 12, I have USC one, Colorado two, Oregon three. And the reason why I, I put Oregon three, because I debated about this because I wanted to put UCLA three because they've played they, they've won but Oregon beat them head to head and UCLA's last game was against Arizona who stinks and didn't have their quarterback so I couldn't put them ahead of them and then Stanford at five Oregon beat Stanford as well so I can't put them in front of them and they haven't lost to their common opponents um and then Washington six I I, I just I didn't know where to put Washington because like but because Washington, if they beat Oregon, depending on what happens with Colorado, they could jump up to number two this this week. Um, I got Oregon State seven, Cal eight, Utah nine, Washington State ten, who I clearly had overranked last week because they got absolutely their doors blown off. Arizona State eleven and Arizona twelve. I am very dis. I know Arizona State's only played two games, and UCLA started 0-2 as well, I believe. But um, I'm disappointed from what I've seen from this Arizona State team. Severely. I'm disappointed in what I've seen from them on defense and on offense. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it would be helpful if their players weren't fist-fighting each other and getting suspended. Um, oh, yeah, true. That would be nice, but – you know the, the the defensive line against UCLA looked really good, um, but yeah, I, I can't explain what's going on on offense, especially when they do a couple of things that work and then it doesn't seem like they stick with them. ASU fans will tell you that 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 they they would like to fight the refs um, after getting flagged for uh, having an offensive lineman downfield on a passing play about oh, Lord. different times. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen that call more than once on on a team in a game. I've seen it more than once in a game, but I don't know if I've seen the same team get it twice. I've definitely never seen the same team get it three times. Yeah. That they were sticklers on that, that two, three yard rule. It's tough, man. It's tough. What we're seeing from, um, uh, from the, from the referees in the conference, this is absolutely brutal, dude. It's absolutely brutal. What, what we're saying. And we documented, we, we, we talked about it on the last episode, with what the conference has done with their with their um with their officials the guy in charge of the officials has only ref two games in his entire career 
the other conferences, these dudes have decades, plural, of experience, decades on field experience. And the the Pac-12 chooses a guy with two games. That doesn't mean that he's not smart. It just, it's just, it just looks out of proportion. I mean, it's it, it's like, yeah. It, it's like hiring a guy who it's, it's like hiring the 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 person who uh, is an assistant strength coach in his first year to be your head coach of your of your team the next season or a guy or a guy who got two at bats to be your hitting coach when all <laughs> 30 when all 30 other major league teams have like former MLB all-stars that batted over 300 lifetime because <laughs> That story that came out from Wilner, it wasn't shocking until you read the credentials of the other four next to the credentials of David Coleman. Like that, that at that point is when it was like, cause I, I cut just that part out and, and, and tweeted just that part and told people read this out loud because when you get to the end, your jaw will fall off. I mean, even, even my wife who I think could probably care less about officiating issues in the, in the Pac-12, I read that out loud to her, and she was just like that. I she's she she was like, "Where do I apply for a job at this conference?" Because like <laughs> I can get a six. I I am clearly qualified to get yeah. a six figure job, dude. She could be the uh, the the uh, minister of music uh, for <laughs> they'll they'll create a position for her. She can she can teach people. Actually, she would be be qualified for that though. So never mind. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. she but she's a. She's an operations person, and the, that that set off all the alarm bells in her head, of like what you, you that's a person who's in charge of an operations thing who's never done the operation. It's like he, having a head of surgery who's only done two surgeries. It's very weird. <laughs> um. Okay, so there has been other news in the conference. Though you have UCLA. Um, they announced they had made a big announcement. Like if the PAC 12 were to make an announcement like, like this, this is a major announcement. So um, everybody knows it's been famously what, what, what happened with um, Under Armour's contract with UCLA. They terminated their $280 million contract. UCLA is now wearing patches over the, the Under Armour logos they're still wearing Under Armour cleats, but uh, but they're still working off of last year's inventory for the most part. So th- this is where they are. They're a team without a home and without a sponsor. The details of the contract, I don't think, have been released yet, but they announced today that of their 25, um, that of their, that 22 of their 25 uh, varsity sports are going to be uh, with Nike now. And the other three, football, men's basketball, and women's basketball will all be with Jordan brand, that they'll be outfitting them. And the deal starts, it's a six-year deal that starts July 1st, 2021. And I thought that this was a dramatic upgrade for UCLA. I thought that this will help them recruiting because I know that people don't want to believe that shoe companies influence recruiting, but they do. Uh, Under Armour, kids aren't going to school because they want to wear Under Armour cleats. They go because they, oh, oh, Jordan. Oh, I get Jordans. 
like I get you you remember people wake up very early. They sleep outside of stores. They they pay above retail for uh for uh Jordans for shoes. I mean, even Kanye said I pay four hundred bucks for this, even though a lot of them are way more than that uh, above retail on StockX. Just to be like, homie, you ain't up on this. And that's what UCLA did. They're going to be Chip yeah. Kelly and crew are going to be able to recruit better. Do you think that Jordan brand bet on the right team? Cause right now they're one per conference in the ACC. It's obviously going to be North Carolina. I mean, that, that was never not going to be the case. Um, in the big 10, they got Michigan in yep. the big 12. They've got Oklahoma in the sec. They have Florida and now with the Pac-12, they have UCLA. And it feels to me very much like a bet of who's going to consistently be relevant in both football and basketball, whether or not they're successful. That they'll always be relevant, whether or not they're successful. Um, what do you think about that? I think they, okay. I think they had a very strategic bet, okay? So, the, so they already have Oregon, who is a Nike school. But they also, in addition, they do, um, you know, a one-off uniform or partnership with Jordan on, on uh, every year. The uh, They put out their own custom Jordans, well, player edition Jordans that Oregon does. So they already do that. So Oregon is like the, the outlier. So you couldn't bet on them. Well, they couldn't choose them because they're already chosen. Washington just moved to Adidas and there will then and Washington was excluded because they're Oregon's rival and there's not a snowball's chance in hell that they were going to upgrade Washington's profile to help them out. You see what I'm saying? In, in potentially yeah. recruiting against Oregon. That wasn't happening. Stanford isn't a big enough brand. They they are in the world, but not in football and basketball and all of that. And Obviously, there's too much red tape and recruiting and all that. So Stanford's out. Cal is out for a lot of the same reasons. Arizona State is with uh, is with Adidas. Arizona's not relevant, so those two are out already. Utah is not relevant enough; is not going to drive enough traction. Uh, USC's already with 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 Nike. They would have been a decent fit, right? But but considering the uh, circumstances, I think that that Nike had an opportunity and Jordan Brand had an opportunity to get in with another L.A. school with L.A. kids because UCLA basketball, if you can bring that back to prominence, you're going to consistently be on TV with the logo and all of that. I think that that was the optimal place to go. Yeah, I mean that that makes sense to me. UCLA's got is the still the school of John Wooden. It's still the school of Jackie Robinson. It's still in LA. Um, I, I really think it probably would have only come down to to UCLA and, and USC. I just think I think their choices are have definitely been interesting. And the thing that sticks out to me is is multi sport relevance, but not necessarily multi sport success. Because obviously, you know, you've you've had Michigan had a lot of down years on the basketball court, and and you know, and they're struggling in football now. But I don't, I don't think that Jordan Brand regrets that at all. I don't know if it'll have a marked effect on UCLA, especially when like, it's not, it's not like Chip Kelly's still not going to go out to somebody's house and measure their feet and take a sleep study of them and do all that weird stuff. He does. So, 
you know, he's still going to pick and choose the recruits that he wants. It, it might just expand the pool a, a little bit of the people he's doing the weird experiments on to see if they're a good fit. Oh, yeah. And USC also is obviously they're a national brand, all of, all, all of that. But OK, here's the other thing that you have to factor into it is that UCLA lost a two hundred and eighty million dollar deal. They were negotiating. I mean, they really only had two options. You can either go with Adidas, who they had already had, but hadn't really gotten any traction, or you can try to go to Nike. There, there was nobody really to bid against. I mean, I guess they were bidding against, um, against Adidas, but you know that this contract is going to look nothing like $280 million because yeah, I, no, I bet, I bet Jordan brand got a much better deal than under armor. Yeah. And, and you're looking at, you know, I, I think USC's deal with them is giving them uh, $5 million a year. Clemson's is um, Clemson's is $5.7 million a year. You know, so it, it's, I think that you're going to be in and those were done a couple of years ago. So I think that those are the kind of numbers that you're probably going to be looking at when it comes to to that UCLA deal, probably in the five million dollar range. So like a six year, 30 million dollar deal, which is obviously a far cry from what, what was it, seven or 12 years, two hundred and eighty million dollars. That's a big difference. But at least now you have something that's going to upgrade what you're what you're doing overall because UCLA was kind of in Auburn in the uniform where Auburn used to be Russell athletic. Then they moved to under armor <laughs> and well, actually I, th I think they went to Nike and then under armor, but either, either way you're sitting there saying, okay, now, now imagine Auburn with Jordan brand. I think that that changes how you look at them and, you know, and, and the way recruits see them. Um, so we, we also have, um, the PAC 12 player of the year, the PAC 12 player of the year. If you had come into the season, who would you have thought would have been the PAC 12 player of the year? Uh, best player on the best team or the best player overall? Well, uh, who, who do you, who do you think would have been able to win the, uh, the player of the year. Like, who do you think? I thought like, I coming, thought C coming C into J, the season. I thought CJ Verdell had the best shot going into the year. Yeah. See, I would have put CJ Verdell, um, Keaton Slovis, um, or Jaden Daniels, or, or or my man from uh from a Cal quarterback from Cal. Chase Garbers. Yeah. yeah. Or or Chase Garbers. I think that they would have. Or, I mean, and even you could throw in like a side of Dorian Thompson Robinson, right? A side of that. Like th those, I think, were, I mean, and even possibly a uh, Jamar Jefferson, but then you're like, okay, Oregon State's not going to be good enough to to potentially right. win it. So, so you're sitting there and now, but now you're looking at the conference and you're like, wait, hold up. The conference player of the year is on the team that nobody expected to be undefeated and nobody expected to be uh to be here right now and that's Jarek Broussard. 
through four games, Jarek Broussard, 111 carries, 733 yards. Granted, he does only have three touchdowns, and he hasn't. Well, he hasn't had a touchdown in three games. Oh. Well, because they he keeps getting gassed out with seventy yard runs <laughs> at the ten. They got to pull him out. It's not his fault. Hey, and last game, twenty five carries, three hundred and one yards. How do you have twenty five carries, three hundred and one yards, twelve yards to carry, and you don't find the end zone? Because I'm telling you, he had like a 59 yard run and a 70 yard run that all started from inside Colorado's own five yard line. The crazy thing to me is every time they put the camera on him, he does not look. But he he's five nine, but he's not like Quentin Griffin five nine. He's not like a compact bowling ball type runner. He's and he's not he's not like a. Um, He's not like one of those crazy lateral movement guys like a Darren Sproles. He is out there at 5'9", 175, like you created him in NCAA football, forgot to change the height and weight, and then just turned the sliders all the way up to 99. <laughs> like he fit Physically, he does not look like he should be able to do some of the things that he's done. And then if you know his backstory, you know that he's had two ACL tears. Almost none of it makes sense. And he he... I think had run the ball 12 or 13 times for only, uh, I want to say like 35 yards before he broke his first big run. Yep. He only had 27 yards rushing in the first quarter. He, 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 they just kept at it and he, uh, he's relentless. He's a relentless running back and he had five less carries than his season average coming into the game. He was averaging 30 carries a game. Imagine if he had gotten five more carries. <laughs> he might have. He, he oh. might have been competing with old boy from Buffalo or Kent State, whichever school he yeah. is. He was straight up taking whole series off just to preserve his energy. Like I, I'm a hundred percent sure Colorado had one drive where they scored that he never even came on the field because wow. Yeah, he gassed himself out running all over that University of Arizona defense. But I agree with you. I, I think I, I don't know if he's um, I don't know if it's one A one B with him and uh, and Slovis, but it, it's he's definitely number one right now on the on the See, list. I can't give it to Slovis because because he's been playing poorly. Like he played poorly in the in in the Arizona State game, except for the last drive. Ball's not looking good. Like he hasn't looked the apart. So I would say that Jerick. Broussard, yeah. number number one, and then a guy, and then you have to at least consider Jamar Jefferson, and you have to consider Demetric Felton, who is absolutely lighting it up. I mean, all all over the place. Like in addition to, you know, rushing for five yards to carry, five hundred seventy eight yards. He also has seventeen um, receptions for one hundred and sixteen yards. Like he's he's a guy who when you were talking about Broussard, he's 15 pounds bigger than Broussard. Yeah. I feel like I'm a Demetric Felton truther. That's what I feel like right now. Oh, I, I'm a, I'm a do, believer. I do like him, but I it's other people like him so much that it has started to concern me that, that he is. I'm raising my hand. Overrated. I am in, I am in that category. I am all in bought in on Demetric Felton. Hundred percent, as an NBA, as an NBA player, yeah, as an NBA player, <laughs> um, um, as an NF, as an NFL player. Uh, but before we get to the recaps, the uh, last thing is, 
Um, so I, I, I got in a fight, right? I got in a Twitter fight with a, with a Washington fan. And, and th this dude is like super fan. And I found it very ironic. This, this dude named Softy, who is a, um, a radio host out in Seattle. I tweeted out, um, let me find the exact tweet. I tweeted out that, um, basically to the effect of, oh, oh, I said, do, oh, oh, I said, well, if Washington can't play next week versus Oregon, then Washington will win the Pac-12 North. So they have incentive not to play. So we will see what the dogs <laughs> do. And he comes back. What an idiotic tweet. If Washington doesn't play, it's because of genuine COVID issues, not because they wussed out chicken shit for George to even um, introduce that notion. I came back and I said, it's Husky week. So, of course, somebody named Softy got triggered for me stating facts. A lot of teams, including Ohio State, Mississippi State, Vandy, et cetera, have played with short rosters and coaches. Would UW do it in the same situation? It's a fair question. And mind you, this dude is always on the outrageous takes. Like he is a, like, here is exactly what his wife said about him in an article. He rants and raves. This is a quote. He rants and raves and cries and shouts, depending on how his team, on how his teams, your teams are doing. Fans relate to him because he cares as much as they do. And she also said, when he's on the show and he's on with people, he's kind of like the monkey that you throw peanuts at and he gets more wound up. That's what his wife said about him. And then, and so I said to him, side note, don't say things to people on Twitter that you wouldn't say to him in real life. Cause there's not a chance in hell that he would be standing in front of me and be like, that's chicken shit. No, you no, you wouldn't bro. Stop it. You're like, he's, he's a little man on top of that. He's a little old man as well. So no. Well, the funniest thing about it to me is you and I were on the phone. You said that out loud. And I said, tweet that. I bet it will upset somebody. And you did. And it did. That's incredible. It's Husky Week too. It's Rivalry Week. It's Rivalry Week. Like just just the idea that you would be that triggered because truthfully, I would be asking the same thing about Oregon too. Because here here's what I know in life is that people do different things when money and opportunities are involved. Would you Would you agree with that? That that, yeah. that sometimes uh, people act, we're, act we're, out of character. Do you mean that we're playing an entire college football season in the middle of a pandemic for only one reason? Exactly. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so uh, people do different things when the money's on the line or when opportunity is on the line. I don't think Ohio state would have played minus five coaches and a bunch of other players on their team. If going to the big 10 championship had not been threatened. Would you would you say that that's a reasonable assumption? I don't know for sure, but it's reasonable that they could have that they would have not played. Absolutely, you have Michigan sitting out this week, and they have no shot at it. So, but if Michigan had a shot at it, they would be playing. It's that, if, that if, is if at all fair possible. to assume. Yeah. yeah, and so my question was: All right, 
if Washington has to play shorthanded, mind you, playing shorthanded is dangerous. You could get knocked out of the college football, uh, out of the conference championship game. So would you rather play shorthanded and potentially lose or play? And, and mind you, I know that they had uh, that they were minus a couple wide receivers last last week. I get it. But if they were to play. Like, would you be willing to play shorthanded knowing that you could potentially lose and not go to the conference championship game? Uh, if, it, if you had it in hand, um, I mean, that, that would be if, if it was a 50, 50 coin flip deal and you had it in hand, then I think that that's your backup plan. That's what you can rest on is the fact that we're like, all right, if we nix it this week, we're going to be fine. It's going to be a USC Colorado situation where it might not necessarily be fair that USC gets the nod, but the tiebreaker is the tiebreaker. So let's rest up and make sure that we're ready for, for, for the coming week. I think that's a natural way to think about things. I think coming from you puts them on the defensive, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that that's part of somebody's thought process. Thank you. Thank you, Ralph. A, a, a sensible man lives, you, you, you know, because sometimes people want to throw out the, the, the message because they don't like the messenger and they're not going to let common sense get in the way of their emotional response. I'm not saying that I never do it, but I do. I actually, I did it today, but that's fine. That's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> let me throw out let me throw out another uh, rivalry week debate that I've, I've been seeing pop up on Twitter. It's really popular down here in Arizona. Um, Arizona, Arizona State's called Hate Week, and Arizona State players and fans go around wearing a shirt that says "Hate" on it, but the A is the University of Arizona block A. So uh, down here, the debate is: Should you be able to wear your rival's logo? even if the purpose of wearing your rival's logo is to mock them. I would cross it out like gang style, bro. Like when, like when, like when Crips, if they need to, to write something that starts with the, that has a B in it, they just put an X on it. So yeah. So, so no like the, the whole university of, uh, or the whole Ohio state taking the M's out of their Twitter, uh, for, for yeah, I, like it, yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah, so you just eat, yeah, you just cross it out, or you do something to deface it that's clearly <laughs> noticeable. I don't, I don't mind that. I like the rivalries. I like that they are intense. They're supposed to be, and, and truthfully, imagine if if Washington. Okay, all right, so it, with the Michigan-Ohio State game, you're going to have some Ohio State p- people saying, well, they knew that they were going to get killed, so they didn't want to play anyway, and then Michigan fans are going to be upset. Same thing with the Oregon and Washington game. If that happens, you're going to have Oregon people accusing Washington, Washington fans be upset, all of that. Is that not good for the rivalry? Is that not good for college football? I think anything is good for a rivalry so long as it doesn't involve somebody getting arrested. Like poisoning trees, poisoning a tree. Didn't that dude die? Think, like he he got out of jail, then then he wasn't paying. I think he died. Yeah, he he's very he's very sick. It was almost like he, uh, it, it was almost like a fern gully karma type deal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I uh, I don't know. I think that uh, 
I don't know. I think the conference has a lot of really good rivalries, and I think anything within reason. I, I love the coaches going back and forth. Um, you've seen a lot more of that this year, of the coaches kind of just being open with, with some of their disdain on social media. Um, I love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, anything within anything within reason, as long as nobody gets uh, hurt or or anything gets stolen. Like, it's not the old days where you can go steal somebody's Goat. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, none, none, no more of that. But I'm, I'm anything else within reason. The memes alone, like the addition of memes into rivalries, has been just fantastic in the last ten years. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with you. I love them as well. I love them. And like, um, who was it? Oh, it was Washington. The Washington football team in the NFL played against the Steelers. And they tweeted out after the game a, 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 um, a clip from the office, but Jim had <laughs> Washington's uh, logo as as his head, and Dwight had the Steelers logo, and he's sitting on a on like a uh, like a, a yoga ball. ball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Jim takes a pair of scissors and deflates it, and it's like, oh, they're they're eleven and zero season gone. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the. That stuff's amazing. I, I'm all for more of that, and and not for uh, fist fights and poisoning trees and stuff. Any 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 anything that involves, uh, you know, risking somebody's personal safety and or and or property. Uh, there's no reason to do it anymore because you can just write funny things on the internet, and it's it's just as good. Yep. Um, okay. So now let's tackle what happened last week. Okay, so um, we we went our record again. I, I'm probably I'm thinking that I beat you this this week. I'm on my comeback tour, right? Uh, you lost. I beat you in all three categories. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I beat you in all three categories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so- you went three and three straight up, three and three against the spread, and two and four on the over unders. Okay, so we're and, moving. Uh, in, I'm moving in the right direction. You are, yes, you are moving in the right direction. Last week, I did dis. I I did make some decisions just based on the fact that you were on a cold streak, and those worked out <laughs> in my favor. And then the stuff that I did agree with you with, I got right. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. All right, so um, uh, what are the what are the stats? What what are the stats? Okay. Overall, against the spread, you are nine and thirteen, and I am fifteen and seven. Okay, uh, straight up, you're still within range. You're fourteen and eight. I'm sixteen and six. And then you had a rough start on the over unders. You're three and six overall, and I am seven and two. And you introduced over unders as a way to catch up. <laughs> uh, all right, dude. See, now I'm like a degenerate ga- gambler who is trying to like gamble the kids college college fund to make it back <laughs> so, um <laughs> so let's recap the games from last week so we, we we've already talked kind of at length about the stanford washington game and i'll tell you rob i was surprised i was very very surprised i actually okay so there there was part of me so when we saw that washington had to do their um that stanford couldn't 
play in California, had to go to Washington, do their walkthrough at a park after they got kicked out of a parking garage. <laughs> I was like, they're going to show up ready to play. And I don't know what it is about Washington, why they want to play, why Jimmy Lake wants to play this intellectual brutality, run you over game when Washington has superior athletes. Like whenever they tried to go up top, they were able to do it. Like Ty Ty Jones, two catches, 79 yards. I know that that Dylan Morris is not – that first Ty Jones catch might have been the best catch I've seen all year in any any level, high school, college, pro. That was it was really good. That was oh my god. <laughs> and you gotta admit, at this point, at this point, Dylan Morris, while not the best quarterback to just keep a drive alive, some of his throws would get you out of your seat like three times last week and five times this week he let loose a ball and I'm standing up watching it like oh my god but just like the the stuff he does in between the fantastic throws leaves a lot to be desired it, you it's amazing that on the season he's sitting at four touchdowns three interceptions like but you know he, he has made some fantastic throws I 100% agree with that, dude. Like he has, he, he has, um, yeah. So, but I, I'm not sold on Dylan Morris yet. He was the overthrow guy, but I, I just can't figure out why, um, why Jimmy Lake wants to, to, to play football like this when he has better athletes. And whenever they get in must-score situations, they stand back and throw throw the football, and it's successful in the second half. So I don't understand why, if you have an advantage over a team, why not exploit that early? It's bizarre to me, dude. I, yeah, I don't know. I It was weird to watch them get down. I mean, they really got their ass kicked in, in the first half. There's no other way to explain it. Um, Davis Mills looked really good. Uh Stanford's running game was on point. This game had more plays run from inside the five yard line than any other game so far this season in the five. And then they run their offense at a goal line. And then Washington got in on it in the second half. There were not, I think if you just look up, I'd be curious to see what the longest touchdown was in this game. Cause I think probably the average was, it was a two yard score. Yeah. Um, also, real quick, we have the college football rankings that have come out right now. Colorado is sitting at number 21. Uh, so they went from not ranked last year, last year, <laughs> last game, last week to up to number 21. USC moved up five spots to number 15. So truthfully, they're they're kind of in striking range because another great performance from from them, they'll jump over Northwestern no matter what Northwestern does because they because people don't see them the same way. They'll jump over Coastal Carolina, who's at thirteen, and then you know, and an undefeated, you're gonna, you're going to be looking at them with Indiana and um, yeah, and those teams. So and Oklahoma with, with with two losses, if USC can win their next two games and absolutely destroy people, 
they may not get in the college football playoff, but they're gonna but they're gonna be a top ten team at that point in point in time. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to bring up about Stanford is we had worried a little bit that they don't have the athletes. Um, the uh, emergence of Nathaniel Pete on this team as a kick returner and uh, and as somebody who can run the ball. I mean that you have you have somebody who is electrifying with his speed. I don't I don't see him out there really making cuts. He just kind of goes in a in a straight line. But you need that level of athleticism if you're going to compete regularly um, in this conference. And so it's 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 good to see that you know defensively they did what it took in the first half to withstand Washington coming back, and then offensively not only did they score in the second half to make sure that they held the victory, they got three first downs on that last drive to run the clock out. Yeah, I mean, that I was, was just dominant. Very and, very and impressed. Went for it on fourth down. Even went yes. for it on fourth down. I was like, "Look at, look at you, sexy Jimmy uh, Shaw. You could have kicked like a forty-yard field goal and go up eight points, and, but instead you you salt the game away. Okay, okay. And Austin looking like a Austin winner. Jones. Austin Jones did not look like a very good football player before this week, and then after that, you're like, what, did, "Is there something wrong with Washington State, or is Austin Jones for real?" Yep. just north south he was getting it done yep um on to the uh ucla arizona state game i was a little bit well i i picked this game correctly i knew that yeah. ucla was gonna win i couldn't figure out why arizona state was even favored um but could you tell which side of the ball had <laughs> could you tell which side <laughs> of the ball had covid yes clearly um <laughs> So it was 20, 25 to 18. Dorian Thompson Robinson had a regular day, 18 for 24, 192 in a touchdown. But they also, they, they're continuing to run the ball relentlessly. I mean, just another almost 40 rushes. They are committed to running the football, and Arizona State is having trouble. I mean, but also they were bitten by a ton of penalties as well. Yes, and I think that they also figured out that they have more than just Demetric Felton, who is uh, a threat in the passing game. They have three running backs out there who are able to get some yards after the catch, and they employed the use of all of them in, in a really, really clever way, I thought. Um, pass blocking was pretty atrocious. Uh, but Dorian Thompson Robinson physically, he really held up. I think he had to have been sacked seven, eight times. Um, and it wasn't just like he, he wasn't just like seeing the defense coming and then getting down and, and he was full on getting, uh, body slammed by 320 pound men repeatedly. And, and he was able to, to find a way, um, to still bounce back from all that. And I think, What's funny is you have so much self-created adversity from DTR over the last couple of years that it's just, he, he has that gambler's mindset. He has that Brett Favre mindset of you have to be able to go out there and play the next, next play. Like you didn't screw up. And what's crazy is there wasn't a huge difference between um, DTR and Jaden Daniels and that they both threw for a touchdown. They both ran for a touchdown. Um, they both, you know, didn't really create that much offense um, on their own, but th- you know, one of them looked athletically like he was a cut above and the other one looked like he was uh, still trying to feel things out and playing underwater a little bit. And you can say, yeah, well, Jane Daniels was part of that whole offense that had to recover from COVID, 
but where the hell do you think DTR has been the last two weeks? Yep. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I, I am <clears throat> less impressed by Jaden Daniels than I thought I would be through, through two games. Gr- granted, I think a lot of that has to do with his freshman wide, wide receivers and running backs, you know, that, that he is that he's throwing a younger players, but they are not on the same page at all. Yeah. And, and, and so, the, the COVID shutdown didn't help them get on the same page at all. And yeah. ASU has got to be the only team in the entire PAC 12 that doesn't have a tight end to throw to. And they just lost Nolan Matthews to the transfer portal, who was supposed to be their best tight end. And then Jaden Daniels, when they were trying to come back at the end of the game, when they're down seven, it's Curtis Hodges that misses a block and he gets sacked. And so the, the tight end has been a net negative for Arizona state for about five years running. And they really need to figure out a way to, to fix that immediately because they have an all American tight end on their staff as like a, a, an offensive analyst. And they have former NFL wide receiver and Arizona state all time uh, receiving yards record holder, Derek Hagan as their tight ends coach. The coaches are there. They just got to figure out a way to get some talent because if everyone in the PAC 12 has a tight end, except you, that's a you problem. That's definitely a you problem. And, and Arizona state, um, it's weird. Like they are on the cusp of, tri- they look like they're trending in the right direction, but you're not sure. And uh, another thing though, is I'm perplexed kind of with what you see going on in the college football playoff. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. In the, in the transfer portal is you have so many players entering the transfer yeah. portal, but the problem is t- it's kids get an extra year. So I think finding a home it's going to be more. It's already proving difficult for a lot of players, unless you USC. Were a, USC just had a five-star linebacker enter the portal and then immediately retract his name from the portal and come back. So yeah, it was like, hold on, slow down, never mind, <laughs> because because you realize, yeah. hold up, <clears throat> I could be left out here flapping in the wind. Um, and you're seeing some of these players that are in the transfer portal like realize the amount of influx like 120 some players in the last 10 days or whatever, entering the portal that they're taking uh, offers that they might not otherwise former four-star running back at Utah, TJ green. You know, I I thought he had an opportunity to maybe latch on at another PAC 12 school, but I think he also saw the writing on the wall and he ends up committing to Liberty. So that was, you know, definitely a little bit of a surprise. Some of these guys that are in the portal are going to have to jump somewhere uh, which is crazy because they probably went into the portal because they didn't think they had the perfect fit for them. There is no perfect fit anymore. We're going to see the pendulum swing back to people sticking it out at the school that they're at. That's going to become the new trend. Yeah, I totally do. Um, uh, okay, so on to the next game, which is um, we'll we'll go uh, Oregon Cal. Um. This was a shocking result to me. Absolutely shocking because Oregon came in the game averaging 38 points per, per game. And they also, they had another two turnovers. They're minus seven or minus 11 or something, something like that. Something silly on the uh, season. And they haven't been able to generate turnovers at all. And part of that is due to a young defense. So it, it's been very, very um, 
I think that that's the difference in Oregon season is just them not being able to get turnovers and them turning over the ball a lot. And we're, we're not sure what's going on with CJ Verdell. He only got six touches. Travis Dye is dominating the, the, the rushes 12 for 71, but they're, but they're still not giving him the ball. Yeah. Your and, leading, your leading carrier should not be a pocket passer, Tyler Shuck. And that, that I start to wonder if that's what has him and his accuracy flailing toward the end of these games is if the fa- the fact that you had your pocket passer who has decent legs, but he's a pocket passer, you had him take 13 extra hits when you have a bunch of running backs on your roster that you need to give an opportunity to. Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, I, and I still like truthfully, like I wasn't impressed with Cal. Like they they ran the ball forty seven times, and then the other thing is, uh, Oregon had a ton of penalties, an absolute ton of penalties on one drive. Uh, Cal had a turnover on downs, a punt, and uh, either another, and I think another turnover on downs on the same drive, and all of them ended up in um, in first downs because of penalties. Like it, yeah, it was one, I, and one of them was after the play. One of them was like a, a substitution error on a field goal. One of them was a bogus pass interference call. Like they had, what, what was it? Eight plays within the, the two yard line, two or three yard line for Cal. And they end up eight plays and they end up finally with a touchdown on the eighth play. Yeah, I think I think uh, Cal is buoyed by Chase Garber's confidence. Um, you know, I say like uh, DTR at UCLA has the memory of a goldfish. Um, I think that Chase Garber's has the same level of confidence, but I don't think he needs to go out there and forget making stupid plays because he doesn't make as many stupid plays. I think he just believes in himself that much. And I that really helped him get over the line because really outside of the last five minutes of the second half, Oregon did nothing in this game and Cal's defense was okay, but it was more Oregon, not taking um, advantage of some of the opportunities they were given. Uh, Brett Johnson is still a monster. I have to mention him on, on, on every podcast. He, he looked really, really good, but I thought the biggest, I thought the biggest thing for this Oregon team and every team is going to exploit them on it until they fix it is if you run outside the tackles against Oregon, you're probably going to get 13 yards, 13, 14 yards. <laughs> yeah. They're not fitting their gaps properly at, at, at all. And truthfully they've recruited all these wide, wide receivers. Same thing kind of with, with Arizona state. If you want to keep them there and you want to have guys want to come there, like you got to complete more than 14 passes. And part of that is because you got to get off the field on defense. So you give yourself uh, more opportunities and don't go three and out like that. Three, three and out is a stat killer. It kills stats for everybody. And, and this Oregon team is three and is three and two. They're still clearly very talented, but you're, you're wondering versus Washington with the troubles that we've seen against Washington, all of that. I truthfully, I don't know what to make of this football game upcoming. I did. Yeah. I did see our boy Woody Womack this week uh, brought up to Mike Farrell, the national director of recruiting for rivals. Um, Is Mario Cristobal costing himself opportunities at other jobs? And I wanted to reformat the question for you and say, is it actually good for Oregon 
for the possibility of keeping Cristobal long-term that they have a couple of losses this year in a year where you might have some teams flailing and trying to overpay for qualified coaches elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think that he is costing himself a chance to like, he, he he's still going to be an in-demand coach, but I think that people willing to break the bank is a little bit different. I think that Texas had, had Oregon been five and zero and looking really good right now, Texas would have been willing to try to back up the Brinks truck to get him. But now I think they're saying, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Let's, let, let's see what happens around there. Let's see what happens over the next couple, couple weeks. Let's see what Tom Herman does. Cause like I told him, urban Meyer wasn't walking through that door. He's not same thing that's happening at USC. The USC fans still aren't happy with clay Helton, but they know that they're stuck with him for next year. Now, you know what I mean? They know he's there. So, so that's going to be, Kind of, you know, that's one interesting thing for them. So on to the next game. Um, Oregon State and Utah. So this game was clearly dominated by Utah from kind of start to finish. But then Oregon State just won't quit. Like they are the little the little Pac-12 engine that could. They did the same thing against Oregon. Uh, where they were down big, came back. Utah was up big, and and they were able. They were up thirteen going into the fourth quarter, and Oregon State just won't quit. They just won't go away, which is I think a mark of what Jonathan Smith is doing as head coach. He's doing a really good job um, with this with this team, and they and they didn't have their starting quarterback in Tristan Jebbia. Um, and they were without um, who could have been the Pac-12 leading rusher after this game, <laughs> depending on how, how it went. Um, and Jamar Jefferson, they were without him as well. So I would say overall, this was an admirable performance from the Beavers. Not just an admirable performance, but they had the ball twice inside the 40-yard line in the fourth quarter, came away with zero points. So they, they had multiple opportunities to win the game, take the lead, um, what have you, and they just didn't. Uh, I, I was not impressed with uh, Chance Nolan as a passer. Uh, he overthrew just about everybody. And then the one touchdown pass that he threw to Colby Taylor was just wizardry. I don't even know how that ball got there or how it wasn't intercepted. Um, by Utah, but shout out to my guy Colby Taylor for getting his first touchdown of the season uh, because that was pretty wild. But yeah, I, I, this game, this game felt dominated by Utah. And then you realize that Oregon state had multiple opportunities to win without Jamar Jefferson and without Tristan Jebbia, and they just didn't make it happen. And so, you know, I don't know if you give credit to Oregon state for hanging in, or if you ultimately look at it and say, you have to find a way to get that job done. And they just, they just didn't. Um, not impressed with uh, with Utah State on or with Utah State. Yikes! With Utah on the defensive side of the ball um, at all. Jake Bentley um, overthrew his tight end, I believe, twice. He was terrible in the red zone. Jake Bentley had a yeah. really, really. Oh, he had a wide open touchdown and just and just. More than I was one. like, who are you throwing the ball to? Who yeah. are you throwing the ball to? So they had to open up kicking a few field goals that 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 probably should have been touchdowns. They had opportunities to. Utah probably could have could have scored 45, 50 points in this game and just didn't take advantage of all their all their opportunities. Um 
I don't want to give too much credit to, to Oregon State. They were obviously missing a lot in this game that could have flipped the whole thing on its head. But I will say they did impress they did impress me. Having the opportunity to win is good, but if you really want to get over the hump, you gotta take it. And Utah is just bad this year. They are just not good. Ty Jordan is good. Um but they're, they're yeah, that young fella. Position. That young fella is nice, boy. Yeah, and Britton Covey, Britton Covey's the best player on their team, and you never want the best player on your team to be a five-eight wide receiver. Uh, but he's good. I mean, when he has the ball in his hands, it's electric, and they got to find a way to feed him the ball as much as possible uh, in their final couple of games this season because that's what's going to give them the opportunity uh, to get back on the right foot and get a couple of wins. Yeah, they are – this is who I guess I kind of expected Utah to be this year. Didn't think they were going to be particularly good because they lost so much, and it's not like they've recruited um, replacements because they are a team that has to build on what they have already. Um, yeah, so um, – and this is just more puzzling why you had Oregon State ranked so high last week in your Pac-12 power rankings. But I digress. Um, the The last game that was up was a Sunday game, a Sunday Pac-12 game in the afternoon, basically competing with the NFL afternoon games. And it was a no contest. It, it was 28 nothing before you could blink. Washington State left their cornerbacks alone on Amon Ra St. Brown and everybody else. And he scored four touchdowns in the first quarter on like some Tyreek Hill, unstoppable man child stuff. And this USC offense in the first half looked exactly like, I guess, that, the, you know, spread offenses, air raid offenses that they envisioned that it looks, oh, we should score 70 points. But they scored 35, and then they scored three in the second half. So, I mean, is it, the, is it that they let off the gas, or is it that Washington State started playing better? But either way, if you're USC, that, that second half is not what you want. Like, like, you need to at least put up a – if your offense is that dominant, you should put up a bucket in each of the, the third and fourth quarters. Yeah, it was a confusing second half because it's not like they changed anything. Like – Keaton Slovis got beat up a little bit and they still kept him in the game, but they didn't run the offense the way that they were running it. So I can't explain the second half, but I also feel like it's not fair to give a bunch of energy to the second half without talking about the fact that at one point in this game, Keaton Slovis was 18 for 19, five touchdowns because yeah, uh, that stat line that was mind blowing. And I do want to point out, that if Drake London's going to be good after the catch, that's completely unfair for the rest of the conference. You've got a guy out there who looks like a six foot five skinny tight end possession receiver, but he's able to catch the ball within the route and get extra yards and make guys miss, man. He was, he was a lot of fun to watch in this game. Uh, what was not a lot of fun to watch in this game was USC try to figure out what holding a lead would look like. They should have just put the put the 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 pedal to the floor and and tried to see if they could get Slovis eight or nine touchdowns and some postseason accolades because it you know it it, it just didn't the the two halves didn't necessarily make sense. 
I want to give a shout out to my guy, uh, Gunnar Cruz, who I've been covering since he was a sophomore in high school. He got his first touchdown pass of his career. I always like it as a, as a Arizona guy when uh, one Arizona quarterback beats the other team's ass so bad that they have to put in another Arizona quarterback. I definitely respect that. So um, I guess the thing that stood out the most to me in this game was Todd Orlando's defense. It's looked better and better as we've gone on. And if you it, truthfully, the only, the only team that seemed to give um, USC fits was Arizona because they actually played pretty well against ASU. Yeah. 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 So you, pre- it, yeah. If you want to beat, if you want to beat USC, you got to go in there and you got to have a serious running game and you got to be more physical than them. And that wasn't going to be Washington state. And it definitely was not. Uh, I don't think, I think Arizona state learned a little bit too late in that game that the running game would have probably um, put USC out of its misery. And because of that, you know, you, you have the, the fourth quarter end up the way the fourth quarter did, but I don't know. What are you supposed to do? If you're, if you, if you hate Clay Helton and you want him to get fired, then you have to turn around and realize that the guy is 10 and one, <laughs> 10 and one or something like that. And is no, not 10 and one, 11 and one against the Pac-12. Yeah. But you have tomorrow. to look at the, yeah, but you have to look at to the quality of the teams that they've played in those two he's he, yeah, he's I mean, had a, a stroke of good fortune Alabama. yeah yeah and he didn't get notre dame it, dude imagine what would have happened to them against alabama and notre dame this year i can't it, it would have been very bad that notre dame defensive line is you know I, I know that notre dame gets made fun of a lot for being overrated year year after year and for being a media dar- darling but the notre dame uh defensive line is is one of the best in the country and should not be ridiculed. Yeah. They look like they got it this year. Um, so I guess it's on to the predictions for this upcoming week. And it's time for me to slay, slay, slay. It is time for me to absolutely dominate you, Ralph. Okay. Um, this week, I, I, I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling confident. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in the zone. I don't, I don't like this, this cavalier nonchalant. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's just get to it. Attitude from, from you. I need you to put, put some respect on my name, <laughs> even though I haven't earned any. <laughs> stop, stop letting me win. Or are you going to turn me into you? <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, Okay, the the first game up Friday night. Actually, this isn't even Friday night. This is Friday afternoon, which is even worse than a Friday night game. A four o'clock kick. Ew. Oh God for for the Territorial Cup, Arizona State's favored by eleven points. Over under fifty five. Do you want me to pick first, or do you want to pick first? You can go. You can go ahead. Okay, I am going to take. Arizona State to win the football game, but Arizona covers the spread. I think that this is a, this is a battle of defeated teams. There are no wins to be found in between either one of them. And I definitely think that the uh, – I'm going to have to go with the under here because Arizona State and UCLA only managed 43 points. Arizona's defense is worse, but – 
I don't know if Arizona State's offense is so much better. And and I think that Gary Brightwell ends up having a really good good football game. He could be the best back in the Pac-12 if he were on a better team. But, you know, I, I have to give that up, I guess. Um, so I'm going to take the under in the game, and I'm taking Arizona plus the points, but Arizona State to win. Okay. Uh, I think that guys like Tyler Johnson and DJ Davidson, if he's healthy, and Michael Matus on that that uh, Arizona State defensive line are peaking at just the right time. And I don't know if they'll get Jack Jones back for this game or not. <laughs> um, uh, that's uh, quite the situation. But uh, I like I like Arizona State's defense. I think that if the offense gives them an opportunity to get off the field, this game could get ugly really quickly. And I know that usually I'd be talking about a rivalry game, but you got, you know, for, for U of A, you've got the, some of their best players, Aaron Blackwell and Roy Lopez are two grad transfers on that defensive line. Uh, Anthony Pandy looked really good last week. He had a couple of interceptions, um, one, one hander that was really nice. But other than that, I don't really see anybody on this U of A defense that's going to have the ability to stop somebody like uh, Trainum or or White if they really get their running backs going. So um, I'm going to take ASU. I'm going to take them to cover, and I'm going to take the over. And I'm, I'm thinking 42 to 14 or 35 to 21, and uh, you're going to have ASU's seniors go out never having lost to the University of Arizona. Of course, all this depends on whether or not Grant Gannell plays, and I do not believe he will at this time. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> I just had a, a a meltdown dropping everything around me. Um, okay, so the next game up is Utah at col- number 21. Colorado, they're finally ranked. Utah's Colorado's only favored by two and a half points in this game. They're number 21 in the country playing a one and two team. And they are only favored by two points. And the over under is 49 and a half. I am a I'm a person who roots for Pac-12 chaos. So but I also want teams to do well. So I'm going to pick Colorado to win. I don't feel great about this pick. And if I'm picking them to win, they're only favored by two. I'm kind of picking them to cover too, right? I think so, yeah. I mean, th- there's been a couple of one-point wins in the conference <laughs> this year, so you can't guarantee it. Yeah, and I'm going to absolutely the under is 49 and a half. Utah's quarterback can't always hit open people. Colorado's defense is playing well. Oh, well, not. Nah, I gave up 48 to UCLA, but that was the first game. Then came back and gave up 32 to Stanford. I'm going to take the over in this game. I don't I don't like it, but I am going to What's the total again? 49 and a half. Oh, no, I think you're good. Yeah, so I got Colorado, 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 and the over. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll ride with you because I, I do not want chaos. I want Colorado's dream season to continue. This doesn't really mean anything for Utah at all. Um, I mean, pride, I guess, but this there's only a couple of teams that this, this 
there's maybe four teams that still um, any of this matters at all for, and Colorado's one of them. And I would like to see that continue into the following week. And I'd really, really like to see what the conference would do with them if they went five and up. You know, I, I, I want to know who. What do you mean? Would. What are they going to do with them? They're going to throw them in the trash <laughs> the, the, the way that but for get, the bigger name. But if assuming USC won, and I'm not, that's not mm, a given. Correct. If, if USC won, then they'd have to get the number two team, right? So you're talking about the loser of Oregon, Washington would play against Colorado? Yeah. And that, yeah, that's interesting yep. to me. That's interesting. Yeah, I, not, not as not as interesting to me as USC losing and Colorado winning. That's the most interesting thing to me. Which, so, um, so then we'll go straight to that game. We'll bypass over the next chronological game and go to that game. Okay. All right. Oh, oh yeah, wait, wait, wait. I'm, so, Colorado on everything except I'm taking the over. Okay. I, well, I'm, I'm taking the over too. Oh, you switched? Um, no, no. I said I was taking oh, the over. The, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got okay. So USC at UCLA, USC's favorite, only favored by three points. There's a reason why I'm picking UCLA to win, and so obviously that means I'm picking them uh, to uh, to beat the spread. And over under fifty five. Oh no, no, sorry, over under sixty two. This game will be. Uh, I'm gonna go with the under in this game because th- this won't be a 52-38 game like it was last year. This will because UCLA does really well what USC hates. They line up and they run the ball down your freaking face. In your face over and over and over again. And and UCLA's defense as much as we've criticized Jerry Azanaro, they've been playing pretty doggone good. And this is going to be the litmus test to them and, and to see if they're quote unquote back. If they are in a better situation, if UCLA is in a much better situation, I'm picking them to win this game. I think that this is a styles make fights that UCLA secondary is going to confuse Slovis. They do a better job of playing, making plays on the ball. They don't necessarily give up a bunch of huge plays or a lot of points. They're stiffer against the run. I, I, I just, I like UCLA and I like the under sixty-two. Okay, okay so um, you're betting on Dorian Thompson Robinson because I think USC is going to do everything they can to try to take away the running game, which means that Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to have to do something. He's going to have to do something to win this game and not be an overall detriment to the team. And so that as confident as you sound in making your pick, I know it's still a hard pill to swallow because yeah, at that the means end of the he day, just can't order, suck. Right. Right. And so I'm with you, but I, I'm a little more worried about him because I think that if they got to UCLA has got to do everything they can to just make sure that they try to go in and be more physical. Um, and I think the best player on the field is going to be uh, Osa, a uh, Zua, the defensive lineman for UCLA. He continues to be dominant every single week. If he can find a way to make Keaton Slovis uncomfortable and UCLA's defensive pass uh, or their past defensive schemes have been fantastic. Um, 
I think that that gives them a chance. So I will ride with you saying that uh, UCLA is going to cover and which means they'd probably win. Um, and I will also take the under because any situation in which the over hits in this game is probably not good for our outcome. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Okay. Uh, the game that we skipped over to get to that one is Washington at Oregon. I feel like this game should have a name and we're not a hundred percent sure if it's going to happen. Hopefully Washington is able to uh, play because they did have a few players um, out last last week. But this is a huge rivalry game. Probably, the aside from UCLA-USC, probably the most heated and hated rivalry in all of the Pac-12. Um, in, in terms of just fervence and just, it's just nasty, dude. Like the fan bases really, really hate each other. It's It's bad. Yeah, but you you forget Arizona State and ASU or Arizona State and Arizona are playing to not be winless on the season. So so you have to add that element of of intrigue on their end. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there we go, buddy. It's the um, <laughs> dude, what if this game ends ends in a tie? Can you? No, 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 you can't. <laughs> um, so uh, Oregon's favorite by six points over under 55. Where, where are you at? Uh, this is a really weird game because you have one team that blows up right before halftime and another team that gives up a lot of points in the first half. So uh, it's, it's very possible that you could see Oregon get out to a, a massive lead in this game. Um, and I'm not sure that, you know, without a without CJ Verdell being all there, I'm not sure that they wouldn't fall into the same trap as everybody else is turning around to surrender, um, to surrender that lead. And so, uh, God, this is this is such a trap game for you and I because we <laughs> we crapped all over Washington's running backs, and now Oregon's run defense is like bottom of all of college football and it's going to make us just look absolutely uh stupid so um i don't like the six i do like oregon to find a way to squeak this out so i will say washington covers uh oregon wins and what's the over under uh 55 we will take the over I'm going to take the over as well and take the Ducks. I think they're finally going to cover a spread. This is just one touchdown. So you got to win by it's a touchdown. But this probably will be a close game. And Oregon's propensity to turn uh, to turn the ball over would, would be the thing that costs them this game. Um, two games left. We got Stanford at Oregon State. Stanford's still on the road. There are nomads without a home. They are favored by three points going into Corvallis over under 53 points. Don't know if Jamar Jefferson is playing. Tristan Jebby and his leg are, are still uh, wrapped up and bubble wrap. It appears is going to be raining this. Everything looks like Stanford's football game and I'm taking Stanford and I'm taking the over. That, I, I think that they're going to run the football all over the place. Yeah. 
I will, uh, I'll roll with Stanford on this one. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to be opposite of you. I'm going to say that it's, it's a lower, lower scoring game. Ugly. Uh, I hope the Stanford student athletes are enjoying their little study abroad program that they have going on. Um, yeah, that's it. This game's in Corvallis and I'm supposed to be betting against it's in Corvallis in the muck, and I'm supposed to be betting against the. You know what? Screw it. I'm gonna. I'll go opposite you on everything. You're going Oregon State for the win, the points, and the uh, and the under. I just in these winter months, I can't. I you can't. L- you loser, you loser. This is a I, I th- this Ralph. I'm gonna tell you this is your fatal flaw right here. This this game right here, and I'm continuing to talk it up, even though I know that you will actually because I know that you won't rub it in, and that the listeners will be more likely to rub it in than you will. So I'm telling you, this is a terrible pick, Ralph. You're going to regret it. In every all three facets. Okay, Mark the I mean, j- just like everybody who plays in Corvallis ends up regretting it. Touche. <laughs> Ducks in November. Uh, last game up. I I think this line is terrible. Cal is playing against Washington State. Cal is favored by two and a half points over under 54. think that this is a ridiculous line because Cal is um, because Cal doesn't do the thing that Washington State can't defend. Cal doesn't throw the football as well as, as USC does. And Cal runs the ball eh, kind of okay. So I am taking uh, the Washington State Cougs to win this game and they are going to uh, have a, a bounce back after having some time off. Jaden Delora is going to have a good game, and they are going to win this football game. And the over is going to hit, even though I don't feel as good about that one. Uh, same. I'm 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 going to roll the opposite of you the whole way across. It's at the point. So where you, you are have, taking. You, you have upset me with your comments and now I'm taking the opposite. That's funny. Um, <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys for listening to the PAC 12 apostles podcast. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your energy. Of course, please make sure that you continue to share the podcast this is absolutely um, one of the most fun things that we do. And I hope that you guys enjoy it. So please share, tell a friend, send it to him, text it to him, email it, whatever you need to do. We appreciate it. Thank you. Peace out. Catch you guys next episode. <laughs>